It is Paladino Live. This is episode number 15. Yeah, can you believe it? We're at episode number 15 already. And it is the 4th of June in the year 2008. Well, we got one heck of a show today. We got a Stanley Cup champion that was crowned literally minutes ago. And um, we also have a dream matchup in the NBA. Anybody ever heard of Lakers-Celtics? You think those two teams have played each other a couple times in the past? Yeah, quite a few. And, um, well, Detroit Red Wings win the Stanley Cup. And uh, neither came as a surprise as uh, ultimately is. Well, the Lakers-Celtics was a little bit tougher road, but Detroit pretty much picked them to win. And um, unfortunately, they did win. I didn't really necessarily want them to win. I just picked them to win. So because I just went with my, my mind more than my heart in the Stanley Cup, but such is life. Now, anyhow, here on the sportsstuff.com, that's right, the sportsstuff.com, we are available also on iTunes and Mediafly with Paladino Live. Now, on the sportsstuff.com, we do have a voicemail line, and it is 916 916- Nine one two four two six three. That's nine one six nine one two four two six three. Again, it is a voicemail, so simply use it as such. Let us know which show you're calling in for. Say you're calling in for Paladino Live and make your comment. Question, complaint, trash talk, comic relief, whatever it is. We want it and it's a part of our show as long as it's clean. It will be on the air, and you will hear the, your lovely voice on the air with my lovely voice here on Paladino Live or on whatever other show you uh, so desire to call into. Now, we are about to get started here with episode number 15, as uh, it is going to be a real exciting bit. But first of all, Paladino Live, we have an email, paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Also have a YouTube, and this is a big deal for me. Uh, it is youtube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. youtube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. I strongly urge you to check it out if you have not yet. There are sports videos where I do my sports commentary on there about the Vikings, Wolves, Wild, a uh, couple about the Twins. Those are old and they're not very positive, but hey, they're honest and that's what counts. Um, that's why we're never one-dimensional. We're not just stuck on one team, you know? So one team is, is God and everybody else is the devil. But uh, also, though, the videos that I actually uh, that actually take a lot more work are the video game reviews on you uh, on my YouTube. They are right now the main edited ones are Gyromite, Double Dribble, and Operation Wolf. They are comical video game reviews. They're not me trying to be a uh, super duper star at the game. They're me trying to have fun and make fun of the game. So <laughs> that's pretty much the bit. Now, again, please do check that out and do subscribe. Also, obviously, here on the sportsstuff.com, we want you to sign up to the message boards. They are uh, the sportspodcasters.com forward slash boards, the sportspodcasters.com forward slash boards. Also, on the front page of the sportsstuff.com, there also is a button on the upper right hand corner. Do sign up. Let's get this thing rocking and rolling. We have had a lot of new members coming into this site of late, and it is very exciting. As uh, Dylan mentioned, that this site is now in the, I believe it is the uh, top 5% 
of all websites on the internet. So, and if I'm wrong, it actually might be under 1%. I, I think it is under 1%, as a matter of fact. So, that is a very, very good sign as, uh, the sportsstuff.com continuing to grow. And iTunes listeners, hey, come on, hop on board and join the sportsstuff.com. 100% free, 100% fun, as you know, and, um, it's all worth it. Now, with that, we will return very shortly to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals, which are final. What's up, listeners? This is Farzine. I am the host of the Chiefs End Zone Show right here on thesportsstuff.com where we cover the Kansas City Chiefs, give our opinions, and go deep inside with the Kansas City Chiefs right here only on thesportsstuff.com. We encourage you Chiefs fans, you loud Chiefs fans out there, to get on the show, voice your opinions, get on our boards, and talk with us. All listeners, including Bronco fans, are allowed in our show. So be sure you check out the Chiefs End Zone Show right here on the thesportstuff.com with me, your host, Farzine. And we are back here on episode number 15 of Paladino Live. And as I said, going into the break, uh, well, the Stanley Cup Finals are final now, as the Detroit Red, uh, Red Wings, excuse me, are the Stanley Cup champions in the year 2008, so Detroit fans celebrate, and um, we'll be talking about your other team and the, uh, your other team, your basketball team very shortly, but, uh, well, you did get a champion this year, and, uh, well, I expected the Penguins, uh, Penguins, I expected the Red Wings to win the Stanley Cup, uh, though I thought it would go seven. Unfortunately, the way it was looking at first, it looked like it might go four or five, but Pittsburgh pulling off a phenomenal Game 6 victory, absolutely beautiful. Uh, just just a joy to to, uh, to follow. And uh, this, this series ended up being slightly more interesting than it was headed, but it wasn't quite the ultra-climatic uh, seven-game series that it could have been. Um, but, well, there it is. And uh, my opinion will remain that this is Detroit's last Stanley Cup at least for a, for a while, because the players are getting older. I think this was their last year to go get it. Uh, obviously, uh, well, Chris Chelios did not play in the Stanley Cup Finals, but he was there for celebration. He was in uniform, and he was holding the cup up. And it's fun to see and cool to see. I'm pretty much pretty safe to say he's going to retire now as he got his Stanley Cup championship. Uh, Penguins here in game six. Uh, well, Zetterberg playing good again. Well, Brian Rafalski with 5-0-3 in the first period scores his fourth goal of the playoffs, assisted by Zetterberg and Pavel Datsyuk. Uh, Detroit also makes it uh, about halfway through the second period, makes it 2 nothing. Valeteri Flapula excuse me, scores his fifth goal of the playoffs, actually done very well. Mikhail Samuelson and Nicholas Cronwall assisting on that. And uh, Evgeny Malkin, Finally, scores his first goal in the Stanley Cup Finals, his 10th of the playoffs, but his first goal of the finals. So, uh, not good. Very Marion Gabrick-like, uh, for the Wild. Is the Wild, you know, the Wild Gabrick finally scores his first goal of the postseason in the final game. So, final game for, uh, for us, just like, uh, Malkin for Pittsburgh, assisted by the other two major stars, Sidney Crosby and Marion Hosa who, of course, could have been a Minnesota Wild player. I'm still bitter about that. But, yeah, <laughs> Henrik Zetterberg scored what would become the game winner, number 13 of the postseason, 
assisted by Pavel Dotsek and Nicholas Cronwall again. And then uh, a beautiful goal with about a minute and a half remaining. Sergei Gonchar scores from Evgeny Vol- uh, Malkin and Marian Hosta, uh, obviously the top players in the game at that point. The Penguins fighting their ass off to try to survive and uh, force a seventh game. It's obviously this is the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, you, you know... You know, you worry about how tired you are after the series is over. You know, well, you got to go and gun it down. And the Penguins came oh so close many times to tying this puppy up and forcing overtime, uh, but just not enough. Chris Osgood only faced 22 shots ultimately, you know, until the end as um, <clears throat> Penguins not able to get their offense going until late in the game, and it's just unfortunate for them. Uh, Marion Hosa about <laughs> about an inch away from scoring when the, on the final ticks of the clock. So that was a bummer. I mean, it was unbelievable how close he was to scoring on Chris Osgood, but Osgood making an amazing save and uh, just about just about earned himself the Conn Smythe Trophy, which of course is the playoffs or postseason most valuable player. And instead, it went to the other guy that we expected. It's either going to be Zetterberg or Chris Osgood, as you know, all of us pretty much expected that. And uh, it went to Henrik Zetterberg. So um, getting that final goal there <laughs> was kind of like the, the nail in the coffin for the for the igloo-loving Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, by the way, that is a beautiful arena. I really like it. I enjoyed watching hockey games. Or, you know, there. And, I mean, I wasn't there, but, I mean, seeing him on TV, I guess. It looked like a pretty cool place. And, um, well, this was a great year for Detroit, an absolutely great year, as uh, other analysis called this pretty much a perfect team. It's, uh, you know, the offense, defense, goaltending, experience, uh, just ability to get her done. You know, not really a team with any weaknesses, to be honest, uh, other than age maybe. And that's the one unfortunate thing is age and free agency are going to, probably take their toll on the Detroit Red Wings. They're going to stay very competitive. They're going to stay a Stanley Cup contending team. But in my opinion, it is, you know, it is my belief that this is Detroit's last cup for the the, the near future. I mean, you never know. They could be right back in this thing five years from now with the young, exciting players. And, uh, you know, other guys like Zetterberg possibly still be in there as they'll be the older guys by, at that point. They'll be the Nicholas Lidstroms, which, you know, Lidstrom just just amazing. Amazing player, but uh, you know he's 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 not going to play forever. He's 38. He plays like he's 28, but yeah, I mean he's not going to play forever. That's just the way it is. Uh, obviously, the aforementioned Chris Chelios, ancient. Um, so many other players in this team, older like Dallas Drake, who finally got a Stanley Cup. And Chris Osgood's comment about uh, he wanted Drake to win the cup. This one's for him, and you know that that's pretty cool stuff. Is, uh, you love to see veterans pull for each other and uh, get that get the cup. Uh, it's a shame to see some of the Pittsburgh veterans not get one. Uh, well, Daryl Sador got one with the uh, Dallas Stars. Uh, Hosa, not a veteran, but getting in his prime. Um, a comment made by Matt Kennedy today believes that uh, Malkin could be on his way out because he doesn't want to be in the shadow of Sidney Crosby. We'll see. I I really hope that isn't the case. I really do, because this Pittsburgh Penguins team has a chance to be so good for so long. I mean, you got Flurry, 
Mark Andre Fleury was only 23, and he's on his way to becoming a you know a Stanley Cup winning goalie. You know, obviously Sidney Crosby is a, is a Gretzky Lemieux combo. He's just awesome player. Uh, Gonchar, a very good player, also a defenseman, and of course Malkin. Uh, Malone's a veteran. Uh, he's made some good plays and bad plays. Sharko uh, <laughs> Rutu, a guy very unpopular. He was a member of uh, very unpopular around here in Minnesota, being a member of the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Um, you know, and <laughs> that infamous series of the Canucks, famous here, but infamous in uh, Vancouver, I'm sure, because the Wild won that series, haha. But, uh, yeah, Rutu, a, uh, menacing player, kind of a guy who looks to pick fights with people. But, uh, that's beside the point. Um, yeah, really, Daryl Sador is the main guy to win a cup, and, uh, and he's one of the main veterans on the, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, the former Dallas star, Daryl Sador. Uh, who I played on my hockey game two years ago <laughs> when he was on the Stars. But um, right now, that's kind of the deal with these Penguins. Uh, yeah, they've got some older guys and some younger guys. Ryan Whitney looks pretty good. He was a fifth overall pick. He's a Boston, Massachusetts native, 40 points this year in 76 games. But better last year with 59 points. But um, either way... Penguins look very good long-term. Detroit Red Wings are the kind of team, they're, they're going to keep getting players. I mean, obviously, a lot of us probably thought the Pittsburgh Penguins were done winning Stanley Cups uh, when they won one in 2001. You know, Steve Eiserman's last cup. Obviously, you know, Zetterberg wasn't there yet. Uh, Osgood had left, and now he's back because... <laughs> Hasek is just too old. Now, I, I'm pretty sure Hasek is done by now. Is probably about ready to call it quits. Some of these guys are. Some of these guys might retire. Uh, I highly doubt Lidstrom is going to retire. He is a legend, and he's just going to keep it up. But uh, uh, Hasek, there's a probably a good chance for that. Chelios, of course, gone. Dallas Drake, who knows? You know, maybe he's just got his cup, and he's going to go play somewhere else now and play out his career. You know, try to make as much money as he can before he retires. Is that makes sense? But uh, well, now obviously the Pittsburgh Penguins need to keep their club together. Uh, Hosa is a free agent. Uh, I believe Malkin is nearing free agency. I don't think he's quite there just yet, but it's it's coming. Um, so as a, as a hockey fan, I do want this Penguins team to stay together, and uh, of course they're not in the. Uh, <laughs> They're not in the Western Conference, so the Minnesota Wild don't have to worry about them unless they make it all the way. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong to seeing these Penguins stick together, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, other people believe otherwise that people are going to want to leave, so they don't want to play in uh, Crosby's shadow. But, again, with that, I'm going to congratulate the Detroit Red Wings, who are, of course, the Stanley Cup champions and uh now we're going to switch to the other sport, <clears throat> as hockey is now done for the, for now. We're going to probably get into some off-season talk here and there as news breaks. But uh, until then, we're going to close hockey talk for now, for the, the near future. And we're going to switch back to the National Basketball Association. We'll be back right after this announcement. Here on thesportstuff.com, get on board the Viking ship with Purple Mafia. 
We will talk about the new Purple People Eaters and the best running back in the NFL, Adrian Peterson. This team is ready to make a move forward. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com along with iTunes and Mediafly. Simply download and listen to the most honest and passionate Vikings coverage. Here on Paladino Live, and um, the commercial you just heard was Purple Mafia. That is, of course, my rising Minnesota Vikings podcast, which uh, I encourage any and all of you to listen to and enjoy, as that thing is on the rise, baby, along with Paladino Live, as the ratings on iTunes looking pretty good for uh, Purple Mafia, and of course looking really, really good here on thesportstuff.com. Please do check it out if you have not yet. Please do, and I hope you enjoy it. Now with that, we're getting into my overall favorite sport. Right up on the top here of Yahoo Sports, the uh, the headline is, well, it has Kevin Garnett's face and the word no respect up on top, saying the Celtics have three all-stars, the top-ranked defense, and a 6-6 win record, so why are the Lakers favored in the finals? Well, because they have Phil Jackson and because Kobe Bryant. You got the best player in the league, and you have the best coach in the league on the same team. You know, you got a pretty good chance to win a championship, despite the fact you're on the road. Now, the one thing is, though, well, before I get exactly into the finals, I'm going to quickly talk about the previous series a little bit, of how they finished up. Now, neither one of them quite as long as I expected, as I actually... Uh, I don't know if you want to say it boldly or boringly, <laughs> probably boringly predicted seven-game series in both, and uh, both teams <clears throat> impressed the living heck out of me with how they played on the road. Did I say on the road? I did. I said on the road. With, uh, of course, Boston winning game two in Detroit. I believe I did talk about that last week. I Yes, I did. My bad. I'm sorry I'm like halfway here. No, I'm here. Uh, yeah, the series was 2-2 two to two before I had my last show. But, yeah, Boston, of course, winning expected, as expected, winning Game 5 at home. I mean, I just saw that. I mean, we all saw that coming. It wasn't me. It was everybody. All of us saw that coming. But what happened in Game 6 is not what really anybody expected. The Boston Red Sox defeat Detroit at home. Wow. And the the, the, Red, the Red Sox. Folks, forgive me. I uh, need a slap in the head here. But <laughs> the Boston Red Sox. But, yeah, the uh, the Celtics won two playoff games on the road in this series. They had not won a single playoff game on the road in the entire postseason. You know, the first two rounds against teams like Cleveland and Atlanta, they couldn't win a single game, yet they win two games in Detroit. Now, uh, Detroit, fire flip, Detroit fires flip Saunders after this series. We're going to get into that very quickly and briefly. But uh, I don't think it's Flip Saunders' fault. Uh, a, Chauncey Billups' hamstring hamstrung the uh, Detroit Pistons. I almost call them the Red Wings now, as I'm just distracted for some strange reason. But uh, <clears throat> ultimately, the Boston Celtics, to me, proved they can beat the Los Angeles Lakers. And um, for the longest time, I have felt that they can and will beat the Lakers. But uh, I'll get closer into that very soon here. Um, but... Uh, those two road wins in this series tell me the Celtics needed to get woken up 
uh, for some odd reason. I, I, I don't know what it was. They must have played to the level of their opponents in the first two rounds, as it sure looks that way. Is, uh, they played better than Detroit in, in this conference finals. They, uh, they just, they just took him out. Uh, Billups played very good in the final game. As he looked a lot healthier in the final game, but could not get it done. But the Pistons couldn't get it done. Um, Billups, 29.6 rebounds, 6 assists, including 3 of 8 from 3-point land. So nothing really wrong with Chauncey Billups in that game. Even Hamilton, 21. But uh, they couldn't get much more from other players. Uh, Stuckey and Maxiel kind of did what they could. Nothing spectacular. Uh, Ma- Stuckey only one of 5, though, so that couldn't have helped. Ultimately, but overall, Boston proving they're the better team, as they sure appeared to be after game one. I mean, you could just kind of tell that Boston was going to beat the Pistons after after the way they uh, matched up with them in game one. As uh, game one has been pretty big for a guy by the name of Phil Jackson as we switch over to the other series. Phil Jackson is now 41-0 and after winning game one in any playoff series. 41 and 0. So if the, uh, Los Angeles Lakers can squeak out a win in Boston in game one, well, I guess the Lakers are going to win the finals, right? Well, there's a pretty good chance of that because Phil Jackson, 41 and 0. That is insane. That's almost better than Celtic magic, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, uh, the Lakers, incredible in this series. As, uh, I, uh, did talk about game one in the previous episode, but, uh, still, to think of how the team was getting hammered by the San Antonio Spurs on their home court, and yet you come back and beat the Spurs. That's just incredible what the Lakers did. Absolutely incredible. Um, the Spurs, of course, winning the predictable game three, as, uh, yeah, we all expected that one, but what happened after that was when the Lakers defeated the uh, Spurs in Games four and five was pretty, pretty remarkable stuff. I mean, game four was the big one though. The way the Lakers came out ready to play. I mean, they absolutely went into San Antonio and got it done. Now, I remember talking about how Kobe predicted that, uh, well, not predicted, but said that the Lakers were going to really go at it. They're going to go for the throat tonight, and they did. Uh, they're winning 93 to 91 in game four in San Antonio. Now, when the Lakers won that, you knew it was over. You just knew it. A three to one lead, it's over. And it's not because of the number, but it's because you just beat San Antonio on their court when you already have won two games in the series. This thing's over, folks. Uh, Duncan remarkable in this game. 29 points, 17 rebounds, three assists, three blocks, three steals. I mean, that is a statistical. <laughs> That is just unbelievable, beautiful stuff by Tim Duncan. Uh, Brent Berry definitely called upon in this game as he was on fire from three-point range, at least for a while, until he cooled off later on. 50% shooting overall, almost 50% from threes. He was 5 of 12, but uh, just not enough. Uh, San Antonio outscored the Lakers in the fourth quarter, but the Lakers stave off. Any run by San Antonio. They saved it off just enough in the end as, uh, Brent Berry was trying to put up a three point shot to maybe go for a victory. It sure looked like he was fouled by, uh, I believe it was Derek Fisher, but no foul was called. The one problem though that Berry did, he didn't go up. He didn't do an upward movement and that may have cost him on the play. That's the only thing I can think of, of why they maybe didn't call it, but to the rest of us, 
it looked like a foul to most of us, but however, you know, one call does not count, does not make a whole series. The Spurs needed to be winning at that point in the game, and they weren't. They shouldn't have put themselves in that type of situation, but they did. And of course, the Lakers pull out the, uh, they drive the final stake into the heart of the uh, San Antonio Spurs as they went 100 to 92 with a 36 point fourth quarter 20, you know 22 to 15 third and 36 to 29 fourth uh Spurs were winning pretty strongly after the first quarter 28 to 15 but then the Lakers just after that just kept pounding away at San Antonio until they took the lead and won the game and that's pretty much what happened in this series this pretty much right there is the story of the series San Antonio on fire early, but Kobe Bryant and the Lakers come to life and bury them. Bury them alive, baby. Kobe Bryant with 39 points in this game. 39 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 steals, uh, 16 of 30. So kind of a Jordan-esque type of, of, of game. Jordan usually got a few more assists, but so has Kobe pretty much during these playoffs, just not in this particular night, as this was a go-for-the-throw-we're-going-to-put-these-guys-away type of game for Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. And, uh, well, you have the dream matchup, folks. This is it, the dream bout. Lakers-Celtics, Lakers-Celtics, which is pretty much the whole 1960s and 1980s. You, The Celtics dominated the 60s. I believe, well, they won eight championships in the 60s. The Lakers won one. They won the 1969, I believe. I might even be wrong there. But uh, the Lakers did win one, I believe, out of that to the uh, Celtics eight. <laughs> and then uh, the 80s Lakers edged the uh, 80s Celtics five to three in championships. But, yeah, that's eight finals between the two teams. Just unbelievable. Well, eight titles between the two teams. I mean, they didn't play each other in every single one. As the uh, Lakers beat the uh, 76ers in 1980, and the Celtics defeat the Houston Rockets in 1986. But still, plenty of Lakers-Celtics in there most of the time. And uh, the last time these two teams played each other was 1987. So it's been a long, long hiatus, and it's been way, way Way overdue. Magic, I mean, think about it. Magic Johnson's legendary skyhook from the free throw line that put the, uh, the Lakers over the Celtics and put them up four championships to three, of course. That was the big, big one right there. That was the climax series between the two teams in the 80s. And, uh, that's the last time these two teams played each other in the NBA Finals. As the Detroit Pistons emerged, of course, after that, as, uh, well, the Celtics edge out the Hawks in a legendary seventh game in 1988 in the second round. But then the Pistons were able, the rising Pistons took out the Celtics. And then after that, they, uh, well, the Pistons took out the Bulls in 89 in the conference finals as the Bulls were rising up. The Celtics were a team that seemed to only get to the second round and lose after that. So ever since, it's been a long hiatus for the Boston Celtics despite a conference final run in 2002 that came up pretty weak against the uh, not-that-good New Jersey Nets, by the way. And, uh, of course, no offense to Rusty. Um, the Nets just, uh, to me, they were a very weak opponent in the NBA Finals the two years that they went, um, getting swept by the Lakers and creamed by the Spurs. But uh, 
Yeah, you finally have a matchup right now that you can <laughs> turn on the TV and say, it's time, baby. It's showtime. Yes, a little magic, a little magic. You know, and that's the idea. As uh, It's about time that we got to see this type of matchup. And, uh, well, are you ready for my prediction, folks? Are you ready? Well, you know what? The Boston Celtics are going to win the NBA Finals, despite the fact the L.A. Lakers have Phil Jackson and Kobe Bryant. I, since, uh, well, really, pretty much since about the first month of the season, I have believed the Boston Celtics were the team, have been a team of destiny this year, that they are going to win this thing, despite the fact they had, they struggled in the postseason and the Lakers have the stars on their side, you know, like the stars have aligned for the L.A. Lakers. So say a lot of experts, and I mean a lot of experts, uh, as the, in Las Vegas or whatever it is, the line is very, very strongly favoring the LA Lakers. Like, they are the Big Brown, by the way. Big Brown, there's a little shout out to the, uh, hopeful <laughs> Triple Crown winner on Saturday, as that would be quite interesting. But, um, no. I think Boston is going to win this thing, folks. I think Boston is going to squeak out the championship in this series, and they're going to win it by this much. You can't see me, but I'm making a uh, very tiny, tiny space in between my thumb and my index finger. Uh, I know I predicted this before, you know, over the Detroit Pistons and how the Lakers were going to edge out the Spurs, you know, and they ended up being not as close a series as they were. And that could very well happen in this series, but uh, this is going to be big. This is going to be big, folks. This is beautiful basketball that we are going to watch. And uh, quite frankly, if this doesn't go to seven games, I'm going to be a little disappointed, just a little teeny bit, unless it's a very close six-game series, which has happened. Um, it's got to be, I mean, to me, the way Boston woke up, in that Detroit Pistons series, to me, tells me that they are for real and they are not a uh, a team that went into the playoffs pretty much not ready to win the championship this year. They look ready to win the championship. I mean, I have that feeling. I really do. That, that Boston Celtics are going to win a tight seventh game. Now, of course, if it does go to the seventh game, the Celtics will win the championship because Boston – does not lose seven uh, game seven in the Garden. They just don't. They just don't. Now, I know this isn't the old Garden, and this isn't Bill Russell, and it isn't Larry Bird, but home teams do not lose championship-clinching seventh games. They just don't. And, uh, and the Celtics absolutely don't. Uh, as they have played in two seventh games, and they have played phenomenal in both in these postseason or in this postseason, I'm starting to sound like a foreigner here, but <laughs> the uh, the Celtics are ready to win the championship. They have been battle-tested, and they have overcome the battles. To me, I just I can't go against the Boston Celtics. Uh, I do think that Kobe Bryant, of course, is going to be amazing in this series. Now, we all want to talk about who's going to guard Paul Gasol. Well, I don't think... Kevin Garnett's going to have too much trouble with him. I mean, Paul Gasol has been a problem with Garnett in the past. But, well, to me, the Celtics have the big players to get it done. 
uh, despite the fact Ray Allen had been quiet. I mean, if Ray Allen is hitting his shots and Pierce and Garnett are doing their thing, this thing is over, folks. It's going to be close, but it's going to be a Celtic victory. I mean, this is not an easy series to pick. It's just not. I mean, it's going to be a five-point game or less in the seventh game, and a lot of these games are going to be, I think. I mean, there might be some blowouts here and there because that's just the way it goes. You know, so one team is on a high, the other team is on a low, and you got yourself a, uh, you know, you got yourself a butt-kicking in the works as, uh, you know, like Detroit creamed Boston in game number, what was it, game number four in the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's how it goes. It's just, you know, nobody's perfect. You're going to lose games like that. So <laughs> overall, I mean, yeah, it's either team can win this series. I mean, obviously, if the Lakers win, to me, they will win in six. And if Boston wins, they will win in seven. So take it as is. If the Celtics win a six game on the road, Oh no, I'm not thinking right. This is 2-3-2 now. I'm sorry. I apologize. But uh, yeah, I still think that the Celtics would have to, or the Lakers would have to win it in six. They'd have to win in Boston in game six. This is 2-3-2. I forget how the, they changed that around in the uh, final series. And that's cool. But, uh, well, it's all, I mean, a lot of it obviously depends on game one. Uh, if the Lakers do win game one, they will win this thing in six, in my opinion. The Celtics win game one, well, it's still anybody's series. But if Celtics win one in L.A., they will absolutely win this thing, for sure. And it could be shorter. But as of right now, too close to call, in my opinion, despite what Vegas is telling everybody. Because Vegas does not decide championships. Oh, wait, maybe it does if Tim Tim Donahue is, is uh, refing the game. But <laughs> overall, we'll see. Now, before I conclude the show, I'm going to do a little bit of coach talk, or a little bit of coaching change talk. Now, the Pistons did fire Flip Saunders. As here on uh, the AP Sports Writer here on Yahoo, the Detroit Pistons fired Flip Saunders and put their players on notice, making marking the beginning of what expected to be a busy offseason. So, um, yeah, that's for darn sure. Now, Joe Dumars made a comment, I'm not going to sit here and make Flip the scapegoat. Everybody is in play. Now, I hope that means that uh, Rasheed Wallace is in play, as he has been a uh, big letdown for the Detroit Pistons two years in a row in the playoffs, at least in the uh, the series that the Spurs entered as Spurs. The Pistons ended up losing, as Wallace was terrible against Cleveland. And Wallace was terrible against Boston. Kevin Garnett dominated Rasheed Wallace in the NBA Finals. I can't talk, and I don't know what's well. I'm seeing the words NBA Finals right in front of me. But in the East Finals. um, But now the big question is, who will be the coach of the Detroit Pistons? And who will be the coach of the Phoenix Suns? The Bulls don't even have a coach yet. Right now they're talking about a possible Chuck Person. Chuck Person is coming for his second uh, interview. With the Chicago Bulls, Chuck Person. I just, I didn't even know he was that good of a coach. I mean, he, he's an assistant. I remember him not being the smartest player, jacking up wild three-point shots. So for some reason, the Chicago Bulls are interested in him enough to make him, to make a second interview available to him. Alrighty then. 
Uh, right now, one candidate for the Detroit Pistons job is assistant coach Terry Porter, who I thought the Wolves should have looked at at one point in time. I like Terry Porter, and I like what he did with the Milwaukee Bucks. I was a little surprised how quickly they gave up on him. He had one good year and then one bad year, and they got rid of him. So, very, very hard to say. Flip Saunders, most people believe he will not uh, return to coaching next year because he is getting a $4.5 million uh, severance or whatever it is, you know, because of his... Uh, his uh, <laughs> contract is not up yet. It had one year left. But this should be very interesting as, uh, well, the Phoenix Suns job is available, and Flip Saunders is an offensive type of coach. He's not necessarily run and gun, but he's, he's offensive. And uh, we'll see what happens in that one. Uh, obviously, uh, Avery Johnson's still available, and he's a candidate a potential candidate for the Detroit Pistons. No interview yet that I heard of. But other than that, well, I guess the leading candidate, I'm sorry, is for uh, for Detroit is Michael Curry. So Michael Curry, he was a nice defensive player for the Detroit Pistons over the years in the past, and I do remember that name. He was just a role player, but some role players end up being come, becoming good coaches. As there have been some... Interesting names thrown in the hat now. They're not really familiar names anymore. Now, Larry Brown ended up with the Charlotte Bobcats of all teams, but I don't know what the point is. I don't know how Larry Brown really fits with a Bobcats team. It's very hard to say. But Phoenix is coming up with some strange names as well. Though one of those names is not strange, and it's Terry Porter again. And he's been... He's been on the second interview with the uh, Phoenix Suns already, which is interesting. Now, Steve Kerr's comment is, Terry was great. We brought him in a second time for a reason. I think very highly of Terry going back to when we were teammates together in San Antonio. He got a chance to come in and kind of share some thoughts and our view and views of our team and a vision for our future, so it was a good meeting. So we'll see. We will see. Porter said he had not heard from the Suns since a lengthy second interview on Monday. I think I'm still in the mix. They haven't told me I wasn't, Porter told the Associated Press in a brief telephone conversation. I'm still working for the Pistons, so I'm just letting the process work itself out. So very interesting, very interesting. Um it's really hard to say. I mean, I, uh, a lot of teams are starting to kind of go to newer guys. I mean, Porter has been a coach, but not not for really any type of long time. Well, here's one thing that eliminates Flip Saunders. Kerr indicated that Flip Saunders, fired as Pistons head coach Tuesday, will not be added to the mix. So, yeah, he's saying they're a little too far into the press. I have a lot of respect for him, but I also think the process we've undertaken is a good one. We feel really good about it. I don't feel like changing course altogether and doing something that is just totally out of the blue. That's understandable. As uh, yeah, there have been multiple play uh, coaches. You got the Spurs assistant Mike Bildenhauser, uh, Terry Porter, Elston Turner of Houston, and Tyrone Corbin have all had second interviews. So Tyrone Corbin, another former Timberwolf. So that should be very, very interesting what happens 
with these potential coaches as um, well Phoenix Suns are a very big name team with big name players a chance to really do something Chicago Bulls could emerge in the Eastern Conference again with the right coach and uh, you know they yeah by the way they kind of won the, the the draft lottery too that's that could help a little bit you know you might little Michael Beasley or Derek Rose added to your roster that can't hurt you know but they're probably gonna take Brooke Lopes watch no I'm kidding uh, you know, along with other players improving, like Joe Kim Noah. But that's beside the point. Just thought I'd get into a little bit of this coaching carousel. Is uh, there's a little, little. <laughs> it's a slow process with those Phoenix Suns, but now they're down to four major candidates. It looks like, and we'll see which one gets it. As there's a lot of new names. The only familiar name out of that group was Terry Porter, and yeah, he coached two years. Uh, you know, with the Milwaukee Bucks. That's not much. So he's still a fairly new individual as well. So with that, we are going to conclude this episode number 15 of Paladino Live as we are coming closer and closer to number 20, <laughs> but not quite there yet. And um, the next show will include a little bit of Twins baseball, finally, as they'll finally be back in the mix as hockey will be out of the mix despite, uh, without some major news coming out. Maybe a tidbit or two I could talk about, but then still talk about the Twins and the basketball will get briefer and briefer unless news comes out. Uh, basketball most likely will remain a, a mainstay on this show, like no matter what, because, you know, that's pretty much my main thing here on Paladino Live, as uh, there will always be some type of news that I'll want to talk about. I mean, I, I didn't even get into Wolves draft talk because, well, at this point there really isn't any reason to. As we're just kind of sitting around yet, uh, there's no new rumors. Other than, real quick, I'll say that the uh, that Ford's uh, new mock draft has the Wolves taking O.J. Mayo. So, with that uh, exciting change of uh, change of direction that the mock draft is going, I'm gonna call it a show and say I hope O.J. Mayo is a member of this team very soon, and I'm gonna wish all of you the best here in the best month of the year. June. Take care, enjoy, get out and enjoy that sunshine and get ready for episode number 16. And don't forget about Purple Mafia, new episode up. Take care, everybody.